I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan... Robin Washett, Greg Peterson here joining us in studio, guys, as we go back to Ireland, and I'm excited about it. Um, you know, we, we were supposed to be going here this August. Robin and I had our flights booked. We were ready to go, and we'll be in Champaign instead, but um, it was announced, and we've had people ask, why is the show not posted yet? We were waiting a day uh, because we wanted to be able to talk about this announcement that we had an idea was coming on Thursday. Uh, but Nebraska now will open the 2022 season against Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and it's basically instead of Illinois giving up their home game, Northwestern's going to go up their home game. And for them, that's probably a good thing because they're tired of seeing 30,000 Nebraska fans in Evanston every year. And um, they didn't get to see him in Evanston this year because of COVID. So Nebraska will have to go until 2024 before they actually play again in Evanston uh, for that game. But um, it's clear the uh, Anthony Travel Group wanted Nebraska back. Um, Nebraska wants to be there as well, and they'll be going to Ireland now in week zero of 2022. Yeah, better late than never. Uh, this was something that I know a lot of people were really looking forward to for this coming fall. Um, you know, the prices for the initial packages weren't cheap, but people were already buying those up. And um, I, now that you have a year to kind of prepare for this, I think you're going to get an even better turnout. And that's what this is all about, is about getting Nebraska fans to make this trip. I guarantee you there's not going to be a swarm of Northwestern fans crossing the Atlantic Ocean to go watch their team play when they don't even go to their own home games. So I, I think this is uh, something that clearly the Aer Lingus Classic wanted Nebraska. They were the bell cow of this game. And, you know, whether it took a, a year off of waiting, they were still going to get get the Nebraska faithful to make that trip. And I imagine that as you know things continue to settle down, hopefully knock on wood, uh, around the world, uh, that will open up the gates for a full-fledged Big Red invasion in Dublin. Yeah, you know, I think what sticks out to me is – that when the Aer Lingus guys came here initially and, and pitched this to us and they really genuinely wanted Nebraska in this game and they've proven that here again. Um, they targeted Nebraska and they wanted Nebraska and they got Nebraska and I think, you know, the fan base is a big part of this that they think they're going to get a good showing and we know that Nebraska fans love to travel and, and this is something that uh, they've been looking forward to and now they're finally going to get it it's going to come true to them. Well, Notre Dame guys can only go to Dublin so many times. Exactly. I mean, they had Notre Dame yep. several times out there for games, and they've kind of said, all right, let's move on to the Big Ten. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some SEC teams down the road that would do this trip. Um, you know, like if Vanderbilt would give up a home game or, you know, somebody in the league that doesn't draw well. And that's what this is in the Big Ten. Um, you know, you've got teams like Illinois – like Northwestern, like a Rutgers, like a Maryland, they're going to make more money having this game in Dublin than they are having this game in their home stadium. Where you know a big brand team like Nebraska or Penn State or Michigan, 
they're not going to give up a home game, as we know. And, no way. And, and so that, that's really what you have to find. You have to find a quality conference team, like a, a service academy even, like Navy has done this before, that's willing to give up a home game um, to, to do this. And then you want kind of a ratings draw on the other end mm-hmm. of it. And you're not going to see like Ohio State, Penn State, and Dublin. No. But, so, I mean, th- these are going to be one-sided matchups. Um, but it will be interesting because Nebraska guys will not have a bye week now um, right after this game. Originally, they wanted to take a week off. You know, they were going to go to Ireland this year, take a bye week, and then play Buffalo the following week. Now we know Fordham's on the schedule. That's all been reworked. They just said, the heck with it. We're not going to mess with the schedule. We're going to – if we can't beat North Dakota on September 3rd in Lincoln, we, we should be fired at this point because – um, they're going to come back and play in Dublin. Then they're going to play North Dakota. They're going to play Georgia Southern. And they're going to play Oklahoma. They will have four, uh, three home games in a row before traveling to Rutgers on September 24th. So it's a pretty, I mean, obviously Oklahoma's on there, but it's a pretty favorable schedule when you look at it for 22. Um, when you look at having North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and Rutgers as four of your first five games. And I think getting Northwestern week one, they're traditionally a slower starting program. Mm -hmm. You know, you always see them kind of choke to some like Kent state early in the year. And you're like, man, Northwestern's not very good this year. And then they come back and beat like Ohio state or something like two weeks later. Yeah. So that game was originally slated to be um, October 8th. So, you know, that was another one of those later season games where, like you said, Northwestern probably would have been a much different team that far along in the year than they would be to open the gates. But, uh, you know, there is something to be said about traveling to a different country across to a, across an ocean and then coming back and playing another game in a handful of days. And, I mean, there's there's going to be some hurdles there. I mean, just in terms of fatigue and, you know, readjusting to uh, your, your bodies to playing in a different time zone. And uh, But that being said, it is North Dakota. This is a game you scheduled because it's supposed to be a win. And you better darn well win that, even if there's a little bit of jet lag you got to get over. Yeah, that and that game kind of sets up perfectly for them. Um, you look at the NFL, when they go to Europe, they, they have a bye week after that when exactly. they come back. So, There's a reason for it. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, North Dakota, <clears throat> not not, dish, not not trying to dish their program <laughs> or anything like that. They made the playoffs this year. Right, right, right. Yeah, of the Dakota programs, uh, three of the four made the program. So North Dakota has improved their game. I mean, it, obviously it's a game Nebraska should win. And, um, you know, they were supposed to play South Dakota State originally this year too and, and that game got canceled you gotta wonder i mean they're saying now that it's gonna stay there like do you think that's like locked in locked in or would they like potentially explore moving that game north dakota yeah no they i don't think i don't know to me guys i i look at the so you you move this northwestern game now you have open dates on october 8th and october 29th um so to me when you're in the meat of that big 10 schedule it makes more sense to want to have the double buys on that. And one of the true advantages of playing week zero is you get two buys um, where everybody else gets one. Now there's those odd years where there happens to be an extra Saturday in the calendar. And some, some of those years it's a 14 week season instead of a 13 week season. Well, this is a 13 week season with a bye week because of week zero. Um, so no, I, I think um, for Nebraska, um, I, I wouldn't mess with the buy. I mean, I, I just don't think, moving North Dakota or somebody up to the 8th yeah. or 29th. I mean, I think the fact that it is a school, a, a, an FCS program that, like, again, you're supposed to be, that changes the dynamic as opposed to, like, if it were Buffalo or something like that where you have a quality, 
you know, second tier type type program. So I know a lot of questions have come out about the tickets. I mean, do you think it's just going to be the same type of deal as last year where it's going to be exclusively through the packages first through the Anthony travel? Is that the, so, so what you have to know is Anthony Travel owns this whole thing. Yeah. Like they are the kingpin of the Aer Lingus. Like they own the game, the the costs, the tickets, the suites, the packages, everything. They're a travel agency company. So every dollar runs through them. And to get the first tickets, you've got to buy a package. But what they'll end up doing is releasing uh, the tickets for general public sale later on but they want to get like those packages filled up because if they sell like, well, I'm just going to throw a number out there, 5,000 packages, then they make their money right there. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's going to be just guys like you or I that we're just going to book our own flight and we're going to know how to get there and, and, and whatnot. And Greg, you've traveled overseas a lot. I, I've honestly never been overseas before. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not a lot different than, <laughs> than just traveling inside the country. Yeah. Especially, Especially a place like time, Ireland, yeah. really. They speak yeah. English. Like, you can figure it out. You just got to they, – they drive on the other side of the road there, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the one big difference. You probably Make sure, wanna, make sure you're in the right direction when you cross the street. Yeah, don't rent a car. Just get an Uber driver <laughs> you and go. you'll be fine. There you so, go. But, no, I mean, I think, you know, people people that haven't had a chance to, to you know, visit Ireland or, or anywhere yeah. in Europe, I think this is, like, a perfect opportunity for them. And – and especially with what the times that we've been living through where everybody's kind of been cooped up at home for so long that, that this is something that everybody's been waiting for. And I, I think these guys are going to hit a gold mine. You know, they're, they're definitely going to want to fill up their plane. That's for sure. Um, well, they, they, um, they get commercial flights and they, they buy the seats. So, like, there, there's Aer Lingus, United Airlines. I mean, you can get over there a lot of different ways. But it's going to be fun to talk about this, guys, in the coming months. When we come back, I'm going to shift the discussion over – to the transfer portal. Ronald Tompkins entered the portal this past week for Nebraska. We'll talk about that and, and kind of where Nebraska is at with the roster numbers next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Greg Peterson, as we are talking uh, Nebraska football here, we just talked about Ireland. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tavern 180. Uh, It's our neighbor next door to Tanner's, and they are reopening here soon. So uh, keep your eyes open. Um, They have prime steaks on the menu, craft cocktails. It's a really upscale place. They're going to add brunch to their menu now. They've opened it up more. Uh, They've brought in some more natural light. So they use the covid times to kind of rebrand and rework their restaurant and make sure you check out tavern 180 here right off of 30th and yankee hill they will they will be back open for business um but rob and greg i wanted to talk about the transfer portal you know this week nebraska had another entry go in the portal running back ronald tompkins and i don't think anybody's really surprised that tompkins is in the portal right now um, you know, you looked at that running back room and during spring football, they had six scholarship running backs on campus. 
that's a lot. And then you have some pretty good walk-ons in Jacques Yant and, and uh, Cooper Jewett and even Winemaster. I mean, it's a crowded room when you look at just the bodies that they had working there. And, you know, you look at a guy like Tompkins. He played 14 snaps at Ohio State, didn't play against Northwestern, didn't travel to Northwestern, and he played four snaps against Penn State, and that was a season. He didn't play the rest of the year in a game, didn't get in once. Um, then this spring, you know, he kind of was the odd man out, wasn't really getting the reps. So I guess to me I wrote the bigger surprise is maybe it, it took this long um, for him to, to make the decision. As the team did report back this week, uh, they began workouts on Monday again, and that's kind of when the news broke that Tompkins would be putting his name in the transfer portal. I'm sure he just wanted to go through spring and give it one last shot, and then he went back home, talked it over with his family, people close to him, and decided – you know, the, the the time was finally here, and it's unfortunate. I mean, you want to talk about a kid that had all the potential in the world, but his body just, you know, at one step or another continued to let him down where, you know, carried the ball five times as a senior in high school before blowing out his knee, missed all that year. Comes to Nebraska as a red shirt, still recovers from that knee and basically doesn't play at all. Then he comes back, works his way up to be the number two back on the depth chart to start the season. And like you said, Sean, he barely played, you know, 18 total snaps. 18 total snaps. Not carries, snaps. That's insane. So, I mean, like, it's one of those guys that – one of the what-if type players. I mean, as a high school recruit, uh, his profile was as good as anybody in the country. His offer list was as good as anybody in the country. As a sophomore, But I'm saying he had that type of ability, but injuries uh, kind of prevented his career from ever really getting off the floor, uh, basically beginning of his senior year. Yeah, and obviously I think he saw the writing on the wall too that, um, you know, he's buried in deep in the depth chart now and <clears throat> probably not going to work his way back up there at any time soon because this is, a, like Sean just said, it's a crowded room. Um, I am surprised that it took him so long because uh, he just really hasn't shown that he's has availability to, to be out there. So, yeah, um, we always wish these guys the best of luck. You know, we we hate to see them go, especially when they haven't uh, kind of lived up to what we kind of thought that they would be when they got here. But um, you know, good good luck to Ronald, and um, we all have to move on. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk transfer portal running back um, Ronald Tompkins win in the portal this week for Nebraska and. You know, he was an interesting story in the sense that he had the knee injury his junior year of high school. He had the knee injury his senior year of high school. Then he comes in, goes through fall camp his freshman year, has to have knee surgery again. I mean, so he had just some really, really bad, you know, luck with his knee injuries over that period. And, you know, in in this COVID season, he became kind of an interesting story because he entered the year as the number two running back at Ohio State. He backed up Dedrick Mills. But, yeah, something in there – just didn't go right. Well, I just wonder how much of it had to do with what happened this spring where the emergence of Jacquez Yance and how far along Gabe Irvin was. I mean, I think that probably changed the dynamic a little bit to where uh, that room that maybe he thought he had a little higher place on the totem pole suddenly got a lot more crowded and uh, that outlook looked a little bleaker after 15 practices than maybe it did uh, coming out of the winter. So I'll bet you that had something to do with it to where, you know, he kind of saw where things stood coming out of the spring game and maybe his family and people close to him thought the same thing to where that's why it took so long. I mean, that's the only explanation I could think of. Well, yeah, and you look at 
Marvin Scott and Gabe Irvin, who both came in right away. And Jock has yet. And Jock has yet. <clears throat> and are starting to make a difference right away when, when you had Ronald Tompkins and Ramir Johnson come in. And we're still waiting for both of those guys to, uh, you know, kind of show their what they had. And it just hasn't happened. And, and Gabe Irvin, Marvin Scott, Jock has yet. They've all taken advantage of that. And uh, they've put themselves right there in, in the mix. And we don't even we're not even talking about Marquis Step because we haven't got a chance to see him yet either. So mm-hmm. it's a really really crowded room and it's it's a nice problem for Coach Ryan Held to have. And I'll tell you through my experience with running backs, and I've said this before on the show, you generally know on a running back in the year one. I mean, I can't ever think of a time at Nebraska that I've been around the team in twenty years where just some guy came out of nowhere because even Divino Zigbo. He, as a freshman, you could say, like, this guy could play. But he just – somehow he was in this – he was the only person evidently in a Mike Riley doghouse ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> got in some some sort of doghouse with the coaching staff with Riley, and we never saw him again. And then, obviously, we know what Frost staff did with Ozigbo and turned him into a pro. But generally, you just don't see it. Like, even when he's Washington, I mean, this guy showed up with, like, licorice legs. And his legs were skinny, just little whips and – he could run the heck out of the football, though, and you just knew. And Brandon Jackson and Marlon Lucky and Rex Burkhead and Roy Halou, Amir Abdullah, you just see it right away when they're freshmen. And you just hit some of these guys that are currently on the roster, like Ramir Johnson or Marvin Scott. I mean, I, I'm not saying Marvin Scott, I mean, Ronald Thompson. You, you just don't see it with those guys. And that's always in my just mind of doing this for so many years a concern because you typically see it right away on running backs. Well, and especially with Nebraska's running back situation and the lack of availability they've had from, from start to finish with guys getting hurt. I mean, I've never seen a running back room, a position group, be decimated with injuries, even if they're not long-term, but guys missing a week or uh, you know a couple games, uh, just basically taking turns being out of the lineup. Uh, they can't stay on the practice field, and you're not going to get any better if you're not on the field, especially at a position like running back where, I mean, that's, that's where you make your bread and butter. So uh, I, I agree with you, and I think that's what makes Gabe Irvin so interesting is, for one, he was on the field as much as anybody this spring. I mean, out of all those guys, he was probably able to stay the healthiest, and in those opportunities that he got, he shined. And I don't want to put much of any stock into the spring game. The spring game is a joke. But in the second half, when there was actually tackling and Gabe Irvin was out there running the football, he was making plays where he showed a burst to like get to the outside. It. it was a one-on-one mm-hmm. matchup where you have to go make this guy miss, and he made the guy miss. And like I said, there's guys that do that, and you're like, whoa, this guy's got something. And Maurice Washington was one of them. And those guys, that all Bose running backs that he had, those are the types of players that you saw it instantly. And with Gabe Irvin, you saw it right away. And that, you know, it reminds me so much, Sean mentioned Amir Abdullah, but you look at that class, um, Aaron Green, Braylon Hurd, same thing happened there. Amir Abdullah steps in and says, hey, this is my job. I'm the three-star, by the way, and you're the two four-stars. Exactly. And I'm better than you. Exactly. And so you see how that happened. Those two guys had to leave and, and you know, find their own way somewhere else. Because uh, Amir just took took that job over, just snatched it away from him. All right. When we come back, we are going to talk capacity, and it all signs point to a hundred percent at Memorial Stadium. Now we'll discuss that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Greg Peterson as we are talking now attendance. And let me tell you guys, there's been a light at the end of the tunnel over the last week. Um, and you know, it felt like we were never going to get there, but we are there now as the, uh, the mask mandate and COVID protocols and guidelines have officially come to an end on Friday here in Lancaster County, Lincoln, no masks, no attendance, no um, no uh, press conferences every week to talk about COVID. Um, so it, it's a it's a big page we've turned, and you, know, you you just think about the climb that we've had to get here. It started with the Big Ten putting the control back in the local health authorities' hands, which allows now Nebraska at that time to say, all right, we can have twenty five percent or fifty percent at the spring game at the Husker baseball game. At a volleyball game that never got to happen against Penn State. Um, so that was a big step. And then, you know, you, you slowly but surely have just seen things kind of move. The Garth Brooks thing to me was another big moment mm-hmm. because you had the governor make that announcement over any, anybody saying Garth Brooks is coming and we're expecting a full house um, and, and, you know, to have 90,000. And we'll find out more how fast these tickets go after Friday. Um, and I mean, guy, I'm expecting the sellout. I mean, I, I, I've, Tried to get tickets to Garth concerts before, and it's very difficult. Well, especially get their reasonable price. I mean, that's the the, Garth, the Garth motto: ninety five bucks. All, all that's all the fees, no secret charges or anything like that. So, yeah, I've imagined that'll that'll sell out relatively quickly. I Are, just I just hope he's bringing Trisha with him. <laughs> he flies his own jet. I know when he comes in, and like when he does those shows, like he would do like a Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. Supposedly, he would fly home back to Tulsa or wherever after, that. after the show so he can sleep in his own bed because it'd be like from here a 20-minute flight to Tulsa or whatever. You know, it's not a bad flight at all, maybe 40 minutes. But What a life. Yeah. He, probably has a <laughs> too j- bad. he probably has a jet strip on his property. I'm sure he does. <laughs> like we're in the wrong business. Yeah. It's like you and I just driving home after the game and said he flies home after the game. Um, but, yeah, that I'm anticipating that to be sellout. Yeah. And, you know, there's other stuff involved, too, with, you know, the potential alcohol, alcohol. sales and all that. So, yeah. I mean, there's been some pretty uh, notable dominoes falling. And then, you know, obviously with uh, the NCAA uh, clearing the way for fans in attendance for all their championship events going forward, that's the CWS. So, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, just up the road in Omaha, you're going to have potentially a uh, normal swim trials attended the swim trials, all that stuff uh, this summer. And that leads right into uh, the start of the season. So I think at this point, Safe to say that uh, you should assume there's going to be 100 percent capacity for Nebraska football. Well, and you know that the area businesses have just taken it. I mean, over the whole COVID, no doubt. And this is something you know, adding basically, like Sean said the other day, it's like adding another home football game for you know all the merchants around here for Garth Brooks concert. So, um, you know, I think that's another shot in the arm that people need around here. I mean, you look at all the events that Omaha missed out on last year as well. Um, so it's, this is just, it's huge and it's just what people have been waiting for around here just to get back to a little bit of normalcy. And, um, you know, this is, this is just the perfect timing. I think you're listening here to the Husker online show as we, as we talk attendance going forward. And I I still am intrigued Robin and Greg about the alcohol situation and it shouldn't be as big of a topic as it is, but it is because Nebraska has been. You know, one of the last holdouts on on this for their venues across the country. I mean, in 2019, for example, Robin and I went to five road venues in the Big Ten and along with Colorado. 
All five road venues sold beer in the general stadium, not suites and clubs, the whole stadium. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming like Ohio State sells beer in their stadium. Now, Michigan and I want to say Penn State maybe doesn't. um, But, you know, a lot of these venues are doing that now. And this Garth Brooks concert is going to be just such an interesting deal because I think both of us, Robin, have a fairly good idea there's going to be alcohol there somehow. And and how they do (laughs) it. How they do it is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, the logistics of it, that's really the only question in my mind. Like, Because, I mean, that's where Garth makes a big part of his money. I think he gets like 80% of the alcohol revenue on his concerts. That's why he can keep the uh, the ticket prices so low. Because, I mean, that's kind of how he structures his deal. So, I mean, it seems like if you're going to get Garth, there's going to be there's gonna be beer. So, like, what I would do if I was in charge, and I'm not, so. Uh, I, I, you should be. I would I would expand the perimeter of the stadium and like add like bl- kind of an entryway and close off stadium drive by the Champions Club mm-hmm. all the way up by South Stadium and have like tents and vet vendors in the street so that's like part of the the, the venue right. to to increase your social your your socializing areas because right. yeah. Memorial Stadium I've been going there my whole life, and it, one thing it's not set up for is 90,000 people to drink beer in there. Nope. No. <laughs> in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> I mean, the bathrooms aren't set up for it. Nope. Um, getting to the – I mean, if you're, like, in row 93 South Stadium and have to go to the bathroom, good luck. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy to get up and down and in and out of that stadium. And it, I don't know. That, that, that part fascinates me, how they're going to do this. And then, you know – is it going to open the door, Robin, for Pinnacle Bank Arena for basketball? Like, well, that's a no-brainer in my mind. I mean, they already have the yeah. beer taps like in the there. The infrastructure's right. there. It's meant for major events, for right. concerts. I mean, that's what it was built for. Memorial Stadium, there's obviously a lot more logistics. For one, you have you know, 80,000 more people there. Uh, but, you know, you also have, like you said, the, the bathroom issues, the concession stand issues, where it's just not built to serve alcohol right now in, in any way, shape, or form. So if you do that, you need to take it a step further and start to modernize Memorial Stadium to make it a more fan-friendly experience, to make getting to the bathroom more accessible, to make the bathroom How do you lines do that, more manageable. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're going to yeah. have to gut the place, essentially. Like, I mean, not maybe not the actual stadium, but inside, in the concourses and stuff mm-hmm. like that, there's going to have to be some massive <laughs> renovation. Problem. Getting down from South and North Stadium, I mean, you dang near need like a zip line to get down. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, I it's, no stairs for like some older people. That's the most exercise they do in a week is getting to their seat in the football stadium. Exactly. Well, so. that's uh, that keeps a lot of people from going when they get older. I, I use my dad as a classic he, example there. He went to one game, I don't know, three or four years ago, and he said he'll never go again because it was too much walking. <laughs> well, like with Minnesota, when they first started, so they were like one of the first Big Ten schools to then do Purdue it. Then Purdue did it too. Yeah, and so they had just one set, one section in the stadium that served booze. It wasn't like a stadium-wide thing. But, Nebraska could do that, I think. Like if you just like, especially if you prioritize prioritize student seating a little bit more, you could put it all in one area mm-hmm. of the stadium and maybe just focus on that for yeah. your initial renovation to where it's not like the stadium-wide overhaul. You maybe take it like one chunk at a time and then branch out as the years go on. It's a lot of revenue they're missing out yeah, on too. Um, and, and so what Nebraska does now is they're one of the only – I mean, tell me if you know any other venue that lets you leave and reenter. No. And, I mean, they do that because – they people know go, yeah. because they know that if they don't let people go back to their tailgate and chug four beers before, at halftime and come back to their seat, they're not going to come. No, no. Um, I mean, you're in an era too where just fan attendance in general is hard, especially ninety thousand right. people. People don't want to do all the 
the jump through all the hoops to go to a game anymore when you can sit at a bar, sit in your couch and watch it on a 90 inch TV screen. I mean, the, the, you need to have a, a fan experience there that is enjoyable where you're not mm-hmm. sitting on a crusty wooden bleacher smashed up butt to butt with somebody, you know, uh, that's the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the sections devoted for on the bleachers, like are like built for people in the 20s, <laughs> like the sixties. They were built when people were eating bugs. Exactly. Somebody yeah, once the joked the average me. human is a lot bigger. The bug than eaters were playing there in that stadium. Then. So, you know, I mean, I, you, you have to make it a more enjoyable experience. And I think that's one step that could lead to a lot of other upgrades that probably have been a long time coming. Well, yeah, and, and you know, you put a beer in somebody's hand, and it's going to make it easier to sit on those uh, crappy old wooden. Exactly. Suddenly, <laughs> everything's more comfortable when you. Got well, <laughs> and I, I think you know, I went to a couple 49ers games, and they have like sports bars in yeah. the stadium, right. and you know, like okay, they're moving out of the training table. That whole space is going to turn into some sort of entertainment area. Why not make that like a VIP sports bar? You know, like when we went to the NFL game, we went to the sports bar in the stadium like three hours early they to would wa- make so much money to watch the noon game. Mm-hmm. So like we, we were like, all right, we're going to get there to watch the noon kickoffs because we, we were at a game that was going to be like the later kickoff. And you sit there and drink beer and watch the early game and eat yeah. the food in there. And then, I mean, that's revenue Nebraska can easily make. But obviously it's this whole elephant in the room of alcohol and the state has taken a big step with the gambling i mean there's going to be yeah. a 200 plus million dollar war horse casino built um you know in, in the coming months and you know th- this alcohol thing will be another big breakthrough if it happens so lots to talk about all right when we come back we're going to bring in the newest member of our team abby barmore our uh, newest husker online intern and she'll join us for the mailbag you're listening here to the husker online show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan on Washag, Greg Peterson. And please to now welcome in the newest member of the Husker Online team, our new intern, or we call her senior intern, Abby Barmore, um, comes to us from, uh, she was with the Omaha World Herald. You might have read her work. Uh, she covered women's basketball, was a part of spring practice. Abby, we are excited to have you on the team and uh, break you in. And i um, looking forward to getting the chance to work with you here the, this fall and uh, tell us a little bit more. When do you graduate and, and where are you originally from? Hi, guys. Um, I'm from Lincoln. I went to Lincoln East, go Spartans. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I graduate in December, so I have one more semester left. All right. Well, we're excited to have you. And we've got the mailbag and you've got the questions lined up. So let's get right to it. What do you got first out of the mailbag? Awesome. So the first one is, I'm not saying I disagree with this logic, but why do you and seemingly Frost and company believe defensive back was our biggest need in the transfer market this season? I just think when you look at the portal, you're like, who in there can make our team better tomorrow? And corner is one of those positions where the need is there. And I think Quentin Newsom is proven. He's played some, but I think you can potentially find better than him. And, and that's the logic on defensive back right now. We know Deontay. We know Dismuke. And we know Cam Taylor Britt are like legit dudes. But I, I still think if you can find maybe a better guy. And that, that's the mindset there. And I also think you might want to have another defensive back as well that can play. Because let's face it, when you play Oklahoma, can you have JoJo? I mean, JoJo Doman's going to play a lot in the game. But you're going to want to have more corners on the field 
in Oklahoma because you can't have a 235-pound linebacker guarding some Big 12 slot receiver. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of thought process to why defensive back might be the number one priority. Yeah, and I think just after Cam Taylor-Britt, the inexperience. I mean, even Quentin Newsom, he's he's a relatively young guy that has a hand, one start, one career start. And so if you can find a, a more veteran presence in there that can not only give you depth but potentially push for a starting job that – can allow those younger guys to ease in a little bit more rather than being thrown straight into the fire. That's, that's ideal. And so you can say the same thing about safety as well. I mean, obviously you're set with those two starters, but behind them, there's just a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience there that you're going to be trusting is ready to take that jump. And so if you can just kind of create a little bit of a bridge there that gives you just some more veteran presence in that back end, I think that'd be a nice luxury to have. Well, and you know that you can never have enough corners, ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you definitely want to add uh, a little bit of experience back there because um, we all know what Cam Taylor Britt can bring to the table. And, uh, you know, but behind him, there's just lo- not very much experience. So it, I think it's a no-brainer to, uh, you know, look look ahead, look for somebody else, um, somebody that can come in and help out for a year and, uh, you know, teach these young guys a little bit more of the ropes and, um, you know, you need you need to add that depth. You need that you need those bodies back there. All right, what do you got next, Abby? To stick with defense a little bit, what is your top three to four inside li- linebacker rotation coming out of fall with Honus out for the foreseeable future? Outside linebacker as well. Well, I think it's pretty sad. I mean, I don't even know if all of us need to answer on this one. I mean, I, I think your starters are, are Reimer and Kalarovic. That's like locked. Nick Henrich is your third guy. And then Snodgrass would be the fourth. I mean, I, that, that top four is set, but that top three is going to – really kind of be the group. And then I would say um, Eva or Bob Magua Clements would be the fifth guy today. Um, so even with the injury, I think they have two NFL, and people might debate me on this, but I think Reimer and I think Kalarovic are potential NFL guys. Yeah, I mean, I think Kalarovic was one of the surprises of the spring, and I know people were trying to make a big deal about his testing, testing numbers. They're like, good. Well, should we be concerned that a guy from Northern Iowa was one of our best athletes? No. I mean, there's tons of great athletes at all levels of football, and Kalarovic was one of the best players in FCS last year uh, as one of the, the best linebackers, and so that shouldn't be a surprise. And, yes, I agree he's a starter. And then outside – Obviously, JoJo. And then uh, the other side, you know, we can make an argument for Faldarius Payne, Garrett Nelson, um, you know, trying to think of who else is in that group. And obviously with behind uh, JoJo is Gifford and uh, Javin Wright. And so that's probably your two deep right there. Yeah, I mean, there's three kind of guys on that other side, as you mentioned. Um, Faldarius Payne. Nelson. Nelson Payne. And, and, and Tanner. Tanner, Caleb Tanner. Tanner I don't yeah, know why I, mean, I remember his <laughs> name. So, yeah, lots of depth there. Um, what do you got next? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. How will the new facilities rank compared to the Big Ten and the Power Five facilities? Well, they're going to be up there. Um, you know, they're going to obviously start really pushing dirt. One track gets done, um, but 155 million dollars—they better be some of the best. And obviously, somebody else will try to make them better after Nebraska. But um, the reason these are being built, guys, is they want them to be the best in the country. Yeah, and you know how long they'll be the best? Who knows? But I think what the bigger importance is that your facilities are comparable. If you want to compete at a championship level, you better not have things that look like a high school weight room compared to Clemson. 
Yeah, and you can't have two locker rooms with your team split up like that yeah. either. I mean, it's ridiculous yeah. that uh, There's some fundamental improvements that need to be made. Oh yeah, so I mean, you gotta be you gotta be able to compete with everybody else to bring in recruits and to keep this thing moving forward. And you know, the bigger the better. That's what everybody's after. And you know, like you said, who knows how long it's going to be the best? But uh, somebody else is always going to be out there trying to do better. <laughs> it was uh, eye opening. I remember in Frost's first year when they started to expand the roster by like another 20, 30 players, and you could just see how crowded it was. And you know, the players would be like, we'd be in that little media area, and that was crowded. And then there'd, there'd be players that had to go back and forth, and they'd have towels wrapped around them, and <laughs> super awkward. There'd be yeah. some like fourth grade. Um, class yeah. walking through from sure. like Wahoo and all of a sudden you'd see like Jeremiah Stovall and like his full <laughs> compression shorts and no shirt on walking by the class. I mean, I mean, those kids got the full tour. <laughs> You're lucky if they were wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you saw that, when I saw that, I'm like, man, they, they don't have, they don't have a lot of room in this, no. this stuff. So that's a big thing. All right, Abby, we got time for two more. So what do you have for us next? What are your expectations for the Nebraska ball team next year? And then early conference record predictions. And this one I think is more interesting, like which freshman or first year will play the most? Well, I think it's hard to say just because we don't know the full extent of their non-conference schedule. We don't know the multi-team event. We don't know the big ACC challenge game. Uh, But I think reasonable expectations considering the roster they have they have 70 percent of last year's scoring back with the top 20 recruiting class coming in they should be 500 or better i think that's minimal and they should be in conversation for postseason play now that's ncaa tournament nit we'll see but postseason i think is a realistic expectation um record i don't know i'm not ready to go there yet i don't even know what the schedule looks like uh but Immediate impact, obviously, Bryce McGowan's, um, you know, obviously the transfers, CJ Wilcher, Keon Edwards, you know, they came here to play. Um, I think Wilhelm Breidenbach is going to be an instant impact player uh, as a top 150 recruit as well. Um, and Oleg Koyanets, uh, he's in a red shirt more than likely. And I'm trying to think, and the kid from New Jersey uh, or from Branson, Missouri, uh, he's, we'll see. He's, he's probably on the fringe right now. All right, we got time for one more question. What is the final question here, Abby? Um, what is the best cut of steak? Well, for me, it's really a no I mean, uh, ribeye, and it's it's not even close. And prime rib is basically a ribeye, but I will say a cowboy ribeye. And we've had many good ones on the road over the years, Robin, with Manny's in Minneapolis probably being the number one. Locally, my top state one would be Mahogany Prime in Omaha. Um, and that that would be up there as well. But I, I'm going to say cowboy ribeye. So I'm a quality over quantity guy. So I'm a fillet. I get, it's a perfect fillet. You know, it can be eight ounce. Plus calories. Ounce, whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about calories. I'm worried about the start to finish enjoyment where, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'm not a big fat. I don't like the fat. I don't like eating fat. It grosses me out. So when you get just a pure lean filet that is juicy, tender, just melt in your mouth, it doesn't get any better than that. I'm 100% with you. I can't stand the fat, and uh, a filet is my cup of tea right there. There's going to be guys that listen to this and just judge us because we're not true Nebraskans for eating steak fat, but whatever. 
But C, <laughs> it's above my pay grade though for these steak dinners that Robin and Sean get to talk about. So, hey. so hey, I'm I'm a, I'm an In and Out Burger guy. So <laughs> steak and shake. <laughs> yeah. All those trips to uh, Sonic on, on those Kansas JUCO trips didn't do you well. Yeah. yeah. All right. None of the Jayhawk League has many steakhouses to choose from. What do you got, Abby? What's yours? I think I would agree. I don't like eating the fat either. For sure. See? So something See? that's a little more lean. There's more of us out there than you think. Yeah. My <laughs> wife gives me a hard time. I I, I enjoy going to Texas Roadhouse. Like I, I just think nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh-huh. like I just the place, the the type. I just love it. Like the peanuts in the barrel. Yeah, yeah like just throw your shells on the floor. I mean, just that in itself makes it worthwhile. outstanding chicken fried steak. Mm. So like when I go, like when I bring out my Father's Day restaurant card where I get like the full, like you can't mess with my pick. We're, that's where we typically go. Because <laughs> nice. well, everybody's happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go wrong at Texas Roadhouse. Nope. And it's it's actually really inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, so that's like my under the radar, like affordable steakhouse sure. option. You can't go wrong with that <laughs> yeah, one. Sure. But all right. Well, Abby, we're looking forward to having you on the team and uh, having you be a part of things here going forward. Thanks. I'm super excited. All right. When we come back, Brian Munson will join us as we'll talk recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the final segment of the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting. Sean Callahan joined by Husker Online's Brian Munson as we we really brace Brian uh, for the calm before the storm. Um, Memorial Day weekend is going to be kind of our the last hurrah before things just get nuts. And I ran into one of the Husker coaches um, at, at something this week, and we just joked about just how crazy June is going to get. And um, you know, May has been kind of just a pre-party with a few appetizers, and and June is just going to be unlike maybe any June we've seen in college football recruiting. I, I totally agree. I mean, you're talking about well, we we know about kids coming in all four of the weekends we've got one midweek official visitor we've got we've got all those personal workout guys that are coming in we have a barbecue on the 18th that we're tracking currently um we have a number of guys of course that are coming into lincoln that are you know potentially you're in that next category of maybe picking up an offer like we did a you know did a story um Earlier this earlier this week, obviously on on Cooper Roy, the outside linebacker from from Springfield, Missouri, a guy that has just some obscene stats as a push as a pass rusher. Uh, but there's a there's a, a a couple handful of offensive linemen, you know, that I would call like in the backyard in the 500 mile radius that are going to have some opportunities too to to potentially come in there either do camp or do a personal workout, get in front of the coaching staff and and show them what they can do. So. I, I agree. June is June's one of those things that I don't think anything that you're going to have to tell me or anybody else is going to tell me is going to really surprise me. Yeah, we're just going to be ready to work, and, and there's going to be new <laughs> new things that happen. A guy that we may not even know much about shows up, works out, and he's going to get an offer, and all of a sudden we're going to be like, crap, we, we gotta, he's going to commit. You know, it, it, It's just going to happen that quickly. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, I think, I think for Nebraska fans, I think they're ready for that. I, you know, they're still sitting on two commitments in the class, and they got the first guy in the boat for 2023. But in actuality, things are incredibly slow, and it seems like it's just like that tea kettle that's on the on the stovetop, just ready to kind of whistle at any moment. So I think Nebraska fans are ready for that month of June. We're talking with Husker Online's Brian Munson as we wrap up the show, talking recruiting. And you know, Brian, typically if you don't have a quarterback in recruiting by June one, um, you're in trouble. And, and Nebraska is approaching June one without a quarterback. And, you know, I, I think we all assume just because of rankings that M.J. Morris 
is the guy, the four-star from Atlanta that was in Lincoln. But I think as we're kind of learning more, you know, obviously he's an option, but he may not be the top guy on the board, and that's why things haven't moved yet at this point with MJ Morris. I completely and totally agree with that. I think that we've – I think we're learning a lot. I think we're learning a lot about the month of June um, and when some guys are coming in when it comes to priority in the class, number one. I don't know if that necessarily applies to like a guy like Burkle. I think Nebraska is getting a, a chance to host Burkle there on a midweek, and that was big, and they're, they're going to go ahead and they want to get that one in because he's a 500-mile radius guy from you know in Iowa, and I think they want to go ahead and make sure they get a chance to host him. But getting back to the quarterback situation – Morris gets there for spring game. Richard Torres was supposed to get there for, you know, for the spring game. He backs out of the spring game plan and says he is absolutely going to be there for that first weekend in June. And Morris goes from, I'm committing May 12th to, well, maybe sometime after Elite 11. And Elite 11 was last weekend, and, and, and now things are quiet. And I don't think that that is uh, all a coincidence. I think it has a lot – to do with misperception. And I think the misperception is exactly what you said. Uh, people would automatically just kind of think in, uh, typically that, that the quarterback that is the most highest rated player basically that's on the board is the number one candidate. And I just don't feel like that is the case here. I do feel like Richard Torres is, or one of the other guys, you know, because we're still talking about Connor Harrell or AJ Bianco from Honolulu, Hawaii, one of those three guys, probably more Torres because of his official visit, is their top player on their board. We're talking with Brian Munson as we delve through recruiting. You know, and, and speaking of top guys on the board, and he may not be number one, but he's probably in the top five for sure. Um, is Jaron Canick out of Hayes, Kansas? Ran a ten three seven in districts, and um, I think Nebraska fans are feeling Isaiah Simmons all over again here. This is a, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons was a um, you know, elite level athlete with Omaha ties from Kansas City that went to Clemson because Brett Venables, the Salina, Kansas native, came in and, and offered him. And it appears the same thing could be happening with Canick as Venables is now kicking the tires. He's very interested. And he has told us if Clemson offers, it's over. And, you know, for Nebraska, that doesn't look very good right now. No, and I, and I think the other part that kind of is playing out like Simmons with Canick is that, uh, you know, Nebraska was recruiting. Simmons is a wide receiver. Um, in, in actuality, he didn't really want to play wide receiver. There was uh, there was always a desire to play on the defensive side of the football, and that is something that Mike Matia had had gotten basically Canick to kind of tip his head about had, his hand about when it came to a position he wants to play. So while we think, and you know, it seemed that Nebraska, you know, at least initially had kind of seen Canick as being a, a wide receiver, um, I, I think. Obviously, Nebraska would do the right thing here and open up the other possibilities about where it is that he could go ahead and play because there's there's a number of spots. I mean, let's be honest. You, you mentioned the speed, but that kid's got some size to him too. So you can you could see him as being a guy that could start out in that secondary and do something, but then to do maybe something like a JoJo Doman does, you know, in year two or year three, and maybe be able to to move down to the box and get those really difficult assignments like where you're on a wide receiver one down, you're rushing the quarterback another down, and then you're guarding a quarterback or guarding a running back the next down. That's potentially what kind of talent – that's the level of talent we're talking about, level of athleticism at least we're talking about. 
And, you know, and that's where, where the Simmons and Canik thing kind of comes together. You know, you're talking about a, a local kid in Kansas and, and a guy that potentially was being recruited as an offensive player by Nebraska and wants to play defense. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out. Clemson, obviously the big player. I believe he picked up an offer from Southern Cal tonight is what I think I saw. So um, I think the, I think the lid is blowing off on him pretty well. We're talking recruiting here with Brian Munson, you know, Brian, another position where we don't have a lot of idea on the board is running back and um, Nebraska lost in running back this week. Uh, Ronald Tompkins went in the portal. It was inevitable when it was going to be gone, but we know they're going to take at least one running back in this class. Justin Williams, the four-star out of yours, will be here on June 4th. I mean, is it safe to say he's the guy, and then they'll, they'll move on to plan B if it doesn't work out with Justin Williams? Um, you know, I, I, I think it is. I think they're all in on Justin Williams. Uh, in, 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 uh, in, after that, it's kind of hard to find to, – to follow a trail because it's like – you talk about Levy and Moss from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You talk about D'Anthony Gadsden from Newton, Texas. The funny thing about about Moss from being from Louisiana, there's three in-state four-star running backs that LSU basically has their veritable pick from. They've got the kid's last name is Citizen. They've got ATN, and they've got Moss. And it looks like you know they're probably a front-runner for Citizen, and they can probably take whichever, either one of the two backs they want out of Moss and ATN. But then Gadsden, who I think – Nebraska was probably in pretty good shape with, and he's from Newton, Texas, basically just picked up a UT offer, and I think that they have vaulted to the top. So when I tell you that, that it's, it's, it's foggy looking at the running back board after Justin Williams, I'm not exaggerating. I don't even know like where that next guy really is at. So I got a feeling all the chips are kind of moved into the center of the, of the pot here, and obviously – you know, that's a guy I think that Ryan Held has to feel good about. He's he's got a lot of things that I thought that on paper anyway remind me of a of a Gabe Irvin by size and, and athleticism and stuff like that. So maybe that's kind of the new new style of back they're looking for. And I think that obviously they gotta be impressed with what they've seen so far in just a couple, three, four months in, in Gabe Irvin. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. We got two or three weeks. We'll, we'll know a lot more about it. We're going to try and track down some running backs between here and then, and see what the rest of that board is shaping up to look like. Well, Brian, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, we're going to be logged in like crazy here over this busy period, as we know uh, the news is never going to stop. Absolutely, just just stay stay stay, uh, stay flexible, Husker fans, and stick around Husker Online. We'll bring you the latest. All right, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com all throughout the weekend. We'll have plenty of coverage of the recruiting um, as well as baseball coverage as Husker Baseball will be playing all weekend uh, in a four-team pod. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.